0: Good morning, it's great to be here with you, congratulations for being here, and uh, I was traveling, uh, tr- taking someone to the airport down in the cities yesterday, and I swung into a gas station in Moose Lake, and there's Doc Doc Howard there, and uh, said, yeah, I think half of Wesco Hassett's down in Winona this weekend, so, but... Um, it is great to be here. My name is Tim Nelson. For those who I haven't met yet, it's my wife Julie, and we're missionaries in the country of Honduras. We serve there with Costa Rican or with the Camino Global, and we're helping to facilitate uh, missionaries uh, from Central America to other parts of the world. Now, some of you also noticed that uh, there are a few extra Nelsons here this morning as you were coming in and those were leaving. And my folks were here, Charlie and Carl Nelson, their former pastors of West Westcloaht, and uh, made made an appearance. He wanted to make sure I was dressed up just right, you know, this morning. So that yeah, was good. And my son and his fiance, uh, my son Andrew and his fiance Liana, were also here this morning, and they wanted to make sure that I told they're getting married on the next Saturday, Independence Day. What are they trying to tell me with that, right? Um, But they'll be married uh, next Saturday at 2 over at Grace Bible, and you're all invited. So I wanted to mention that. Uh, Before we open the scriptures this morning, let's uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, thank you so much for your loving kindness. Thank you, Lord, that even though we live in a world full of turmoil, that you are still in control. Thank you so much that uh, you love the entire world, that you died for them and that you want nothing more than the the praise of of all our praise but the praise of the world too as well. We ask that you would teach us through your word today, that you would guide us, direct us, and that our lives and our life's plans would be your life's plans for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for your prayers as we've traveled some of you have been keeping up with us on on, uh, on Facebook, and uh, it's been uh, a dream of ours to help facilitate one day missionaries from Honduras. And I remember uh, when we uh, first arrived in Honduras in 2006. Um, that was one of our stated goals, and uh, we were there for a year. And where do we, where do you start, right? How do you help facilitate missionaries? Well, you have to find some people that. Um, that are interested in going out. So where do you do that? Well, as only God can do it, the phone rang. And uh, the gentleman on the other end of the phone, was um, his name was Roger. And uh, R- Roger had been at a, a missions conference in his local church. And uh, he and his wife felt God's call to the mission field. And not only him, but he had two other couples as well. They'd begun praying together and wanted, wanted some help. And um, so we've helped walk them through the process and uh, right now Roger and his uh, wife are finishing up some ministry training in Argentina of all places and they're, Roger is making his first trip uh, where they would like to serve in the future in, to the Philippines uh, to reach Muslims in southern Philippines and he'll be there next month on an exploratory trip. So. Um, God is working. God is doing some amazing things. Uh, My wife and I had the privilege of visiting the Philippines last uh, fall, and um, uh, southern Philippines. And uh, Philippines is the only stated Christian nation in all of Asia. There are Muslim countries, there are secular countries, there are Buddhist countries, but the Philippines is the only one that has uh, roots in Catholicism and, and, and evangelical. Uh, beliefs there, but the southern Philippines, uh, there are many uh, Muslim uh, influences there, and um, uh, some of them are uh, very uh, violent. Um, there's a group there, the terrorist group called with Abu Sayyaf, started with seed money from Al Qaeda, and they are um, uh, um, very hostile to foreigners. So, when my wife and I <clears throat> show up there at a school just outside the Muslim city of Iligan, uh, we had a local pastor there uh, ask us, uh, "Why are you two here?" and um, we explained to them no we we 're here because we have friends and fellow co- colleagues in Central America that want to come serve alongside here at you in in the uh, in the, in the Philippines, and, now, and he it is, didn't register. And he says again, well, no, why, why are you here? And finally we took, took out a picture of Roger and his wife and showed it to him, and his complexion changed completely. He said, oh, they can come. They would be welcome in my country. And so our, our work in helping facilitate uh, Workers from Central America is very strategic. Uh, they can go places where you and I cannot go, and um, with the gospel. But uh, make no mistake about it: um, it is it is a uh, a dangerous place. Uh, since our visit there, uh, in on the same island, I say island, but it's a very large island, multiple cities, and uh, um, very large. But uh, this earlier this spring. A, a terrorist uh, was uh, found to be uh, hiding out in a, in a local village there in Mindanao and uh, government sent in some police commandos and, um, after him and they killed him but on the way back to their own lines the police commandos were intercepted and uh, 44 of them lost their lives um, on the way back and um, so it, is a, it, is, it continues to be a violent world uh, but in spite of that, it's amazing that the gospel is, is being preached there. Um, earlier in, uh, in May, my wife and I visited Spain and visiting uh, missionaries from Central America uh, in Spain. Spain is a country, even though Paul in Romans said, I desire to go there and preach. Uh, after 2,000 years, still it's uh, less than one-half of 1% evangelical. There are entire towns and villages, thousands, all over Spain that don't have one single Christian there. And, uh, but we have um, some missionaries there, both from North America, but also from our contacts in Central America. But uh, uh, Spain is, is, the youth unemployment in Spain is 55%. And uh, it is a struggling country right now. And As you travel around it 's just a beautiful country, but as you travel around, you just sense a spiritual depression and darkness over the whole country okay? and it is a country without hope because they don 't have it 's a country without Jesus Christ in their hearts um, After Spain, we went and visited a country of Angola in May and Angola is uh, not not many people know where it is because it's it's It'd been so isolated for many years. Uh, Angola was run by the Portuguese for several hundred years. In 1975 the Portuguese left and with them they took uh, the knowledge of how to make an economy run and uh, took their army and left and left chaos and uh, the, the, almost to the minute that they left uh, a civil war broke out and continued for 27 years. And, uh, the, the Russia and Cuba supported one side, the U.S. and South Africa supported the other side, and, the uh, Angolan people, uh, paid the price. Over half a million killed, a million people displaced. At one point, there were more landmines in Angola than there were people. Okay. Uh, nine million, and, uh, I think the landmine count went up to 15 million, and then they're, they're starting to clear them now, but it is, it is a tough place, and, uh, we went and visited a city of Lubongo and went to the, the, the vegetable market. And we saw a total of about 12 stands and maybe 10 or 15 different vegetables. That's it. We saw tomatoes. We saw cabbage. We saw some onions. They were importing grapes, uh, importing apples. And uh, they, just, they just don't have a, a lot of food. They import most of their, their food. And this is a country where 70% of people make $2 a day or less. It's one of the poorest countries in, the, in, in Africa. So our world is full of turmoil. Our world is full of conflict. And it is interesting that in our text for today, Psalm 107, it talks about turmoil and talks about conflict and it talks about Who's in control? So turn with me if you have your Bibles, to Psalm 107, Psalm 107, beginning of verse 22. And as I read the passage, I want you to keep in mind uh, three things, and you'll see these themes, these themes throughout this passage. First theme, you're going to see that the world is in turmoil. It was back then with the people of Israel. And it's in turmoil today. Number two, the second theme that you'll see in this text is that God is in control. God is in control back then, and he's in control today as well. And the third thing that I want you to keep in mind as you read this passage is that God desires the praise of his people. He desired the praise of the people of Israel. He desires our praise, and he desires the praise of the nations around the world, as well. So let's read the let's read through the passage. I'll read for you. Psalm 107, verse 22: Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with with songs of joy. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted the high waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew. And he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. He turned the rivers into a desert, flowing springs into thirsty ground, and fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who live there. He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live, and they founded a city where they could settle. They sowed fields and planted vineyards that yielded a fruitful harvest. He blessed them, and their numbers greatly increased. He did not let their herds diminish. Then their numbers decreased, and they were humbled by oppression, calamity, and sorrow. He who pours contempt on nobles made them wander in a trackless waste. But he lifted the needy out of their affliction and increased their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice, but the wicked shut their mouths. Whoever is wise, let him heed these things, and consider the great love of the Lord. You know, as I look through this passage, there are about 24 verses in the passage. And 21 times this psalm references God's power his deeds, his goodness, and his mercy with our struggle with sin and its consequences. And not only that, this passage also gives us some of the reasons for why we're involved in a turmoil, why things are going on the way they're going on. You know, uh, sin disorients, confuses, produces desperation. Uh, that only God can fix and heal. Only God can forgive sin and heal its consequences. The day after we arrived in Spain, we arrived in the uh, city of Spain in Barcelona, and we're staying at a seminary there, and uh, we looked on the seminary bulletin board, and we saw this this announcement. Uh, Franklin Graham was having an evangelistic crusade in that city, his first ever, called Festival of Hope. And a group of churches there had been working for years. They had uh, uh, found uh, uh, an arena and, uh, that held uh, over 13,000 people. And by faith, they had booked this arena. And it never happens, right? But the local municipality said, sure, you can. <laughs> we need some hope in our city. We'll let you use it. They rented it to them. And um, so someone from the seminary took us there. And uh, as we walked up, we just saw crowds of people around the arena, And uh, they were having to hold people back. And uh, eventually happened that they had 2,000 people that couldn't get in. Now, you have to understand something about, about Spain. Spain is a very difficult uh, country to minister in. We've had missionaries... Uh, there in Spain, that if after 20 years of ministry, if they have 15 or 20 people, that God's really blessed that ministry. Okay. It is a hard, hard place to go. Okay. Uh, Spain is known as the country of 40 million kings. Okay. And uh, there's, there's an arrogance, and they, they don't want to accept the gospel. The gospel is something very, very personable that you would only share with your closest, closest friend. Okay. So as we went... Uh, we're standing outside, it was just amazing to us that all these people were so desperate for hope they were trying to get in. And um we didn't have a ticket, but God worked something and they actually put us in and we were actually in the press box in the in the in the in, the, in this inside this arena. And um we, we stood there and, and listened to Franklin Graham and he explained to them uh, just the gospel, explained to them the hopelessness they have uh, in, in, in Christ and what sin, the consequences of sin in their life and the destructive nature. Okay. And then he gave the message, or he gave the invitation. Okay. And uh, I pulled out my, my phone and began recording. And for seven minutes straight, people came out of the, Came down the aisles, down to the floor of the arena, and walked forward. Uh, there's estimates that over a thousand people came forward, and uh, I made sure uh, that uh, you know I recorded that because I it, it was this is Spain. This just does not happen in Spain. Okay, but we serve a God that is bigger than all that. Well, they. It took twenty or thirty minutes for all the counselors to reach all the people. They even had to ask people come out of the choir down to help counsel people because they, they they weren't they weren't getting uh, getting everybody and making contacts with everybody. Okay. You know what? God is in control in a world full of sin and hopelessness. Um, God God's God's in control. He's He's doing it, okay. and God can use. War. God can use corruption, dysfunction, and hate for his purposes, just like this passage states. Okay? When Julie and I visited the island of Mindanao, uh, it is, uh, we flew into the city of Iligan. And Iligan is about 300,000 people, and about half of it is Muslim. And out, several kilometers outside, Iligan is a school run by an organization called CRISTAR, and they are training uh, workers okay, to go into some Muslim tribes. And uh, you folks here at West Cohasset have been involved in, in some of those people that have gone into some of those Muslim tribes, and I want to thank you for that, and thank you for being part of a very strategic focus. But it was amazing for us that, to speak with the 16 students that were at this school, and they were there learning bible they were there learning community development they're there learning they're going to have to learn another language there's 172 languages spoken in 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 the philippines english is a trade language then the trade language for mindanao is cebuano and then there are all sorts of 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 uh, other uh, dialects and languages spoken there and they were going to have to learn uh, another language but as they were, were preparing and training and greeting us with smiles on their faces, my thoughts were, you know, uh, these people are going into an area where they, they might not come back out. But they were there doing it with rejoicing, with smiles on their faces, and taking the gospel of Jesus Christ into, into those areas. And as we left Iligan and flew to the other side of Mindanao, we flew into Davao City, and uh, Davao City is about a million and a half people. And the largest city in Davao is named MacArthur Boulevard, after General Douglas MacArthur, who saved the uh, Philippines from the, from the uh, Japanese. And while we were there, we were able to visit some uh, tunnels that the Japanese had Filipino slave labor construct out of rock, they chiseled it out of the rock. Uh, They didn't build these tunnels my size, so I had to bend over just a little bit. But they, they were there, and they had side tunnels for ammunition depots and even had a jail in there that was like three times the size of this pulpit. And the guy there said they would put six people into this jail at the time, at one time. But these tunnels went on for seven kilometers. And so there's all sorts of injustices going on in the world. But does God really have an answer for all this violence? Uh, in a good part of Mindanao, there are uh, tribal, Muslim, tribal chieftains, and they don't get along with each other. And uh, they have armed themselves just to show that they, you know, know how to defend themselves. But it just so happens that there's a group called Coffee for Peace, OK that buys coffee from Muslim coffee farmers in order to help them and win a hearing for the gospel. And the head of this organization has gone in and made friends with these Muslim chieftain warlords and has actually been used by by God to help bring peace between them. And they actually have pictures of uh, the chieftains in a conference room and outside the conference room are all the automatic weapons, AK-47s and the grenade launchers and stuff outside the conference room because there's no weapons allowed inside. Okay? And they're inside working out their differences mediated by a brother in Christ. So God can use and does bring healing to a sick and a tormented world. Verse 28, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. You know, God's solutions, uh, God has solutions to the world's problems. But sometimes we live our lives and we get ourselves into such pickles that we cry out to God for help. And being that he's a God of mercy and a God who loves us, okay, he helps us. Okay? And then if you're like me, then we proceed to give ourselves another pickle. <laughs> and again, we, we go to look to the Lord and help. Right? Verse 31, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people, and praise him in the council of the elders. See, God desires our peace and our worship, and the praise and worship of all nations, all mankind. But they will not praise him until they are told of his redemption for them and the incredible sacrifice that he made for them. And if you keep your finger in Psalms and look, look with me to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, we see that there's a great multitude and uh, dressed in white, white robes. And John is uh, trying to describe what he sees in this vision. And it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You know, our world hasn't figured out that salvation is not in weapons. It's not in power. It's not in money. Salvation Comes from God and from the sacrifice that His Son Jesus Christ gave for us. You know, in that multitude that John sees and describes, there's going to be people there from some of the tribes, Muslim tribes in the Philippines. There's going to be people there from Spain. There's going to be people there from Angola. There's going to be people there from Cohasset. There's going to be people there from Honduras. And all worshiping God. Because that's why he desires. As John Piper states, missions exist because world uh, worship doesn't exist in the world. Okay. Verse 33 He turned rivers into a desert, flowing springs into thirsty ground, fruitful land into a salt waste because of the wickedness of those who lived there. He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. There he brought the hungry to live and they founded a city where they could settle, they sold fields and planted vineyards and yielded a fruitful harvest. You know, God's in control. He takes fertile ground and takes it away for his purposes. And he takes a desert and turn, makes it bloom for his purposes. Um, one of the reasons why he does that is in end of verse 34, because of the wickedness of those who live there. We live in a wicked world. You know, um, Billy Graham, a while back, made an observation, you know, we have places in the world that are going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah because God destroyed them for what they were doing. But we have places in this world that are just as bad that God has withheld his judgment from us. I think we need to reflect on that. But how does God turn desert into pools of water? Well, uh, my wife and I, when we flew into Angola, we flew into the city of Lubango. It's a city of a million people, and it's up at about a mile in altitude. So think Denver, Colorado. So we fly into, fly in there, and there's a few trees and not not a lot, but they get some moisture there. And uh, one day, the missionary we were visiting with, and it was hosting us, took us, he said, I want to take you down to the coast, see some things. So it was about a three-hour drive. So we uh, got in his car and headed about a half hour to the city until we reached the edge of this plateau where the city is. And I mean edge. Uh, We're talking about 3,000 feet uh, down. It just drops. And the road, uh, there's no way uh, a road can go that, so they have to do switchbacks back and forth and up and down and way over and around. And you know, I, I can't imagine the nightmare it was for the engineers to try to design this and that. But uh, it's road, it's, it's paved, but you drop within about 20 minutes, you drop about 3,000 feet. Okay? And I was glad I wasn't driving because it was... You know, back and forth, and, and trucks passing, and it, was, it, was, it wasn't fun. But we get down to the ba- bottom of this uh, this, uh, this huge cliff, and uh, there's still a few trees there, but uh, getting a little sparser. And then as you start driving towards the coast, by the time we were about 50 miles out, away from the coast, it, you know the greenery's pretty much done, okay? and the rocks are taking over. They had a good crop of rocks going there all shapes and sizes colors so you can take your pick and uh, as we approach the coast about 15 miles out we could see uh, the road goes down by an edge of this huge dry riverbed and I mean huge it's gave me the impression of the Grand Canyon seeing the the edges of it and years and years of erosion and uh, but there in the base of that riverbed, okay? You know, all we see is rocks and dry river, but in the very base of that riverbed we see greenery. And how can it be because there's there's no water and they tell us water hasn't run in that river for three years. So how do you get how do you get greenery? Well there's there's underground it's sandy bottom on this riverbed and so you can go pretty much anywhere in the riverbed and about 40, 50 feet down if you drill a hole, you can, you can you can you can get some water. And uh, we actually visiting a farm there, 300 acres. All 300 acres are in the, this riverbed, give you an idea of the size of it. And uh, there's this farm has a thousand olive trees in it, and they're growing tomatoes and cucumbers. And there's mango trees, and and uh, it's just amazing. But allowing God can turn a desert and make it bloom. Okay? He, he does that okay? for his purposes. Verse 38, he blessed them, their numbers greatly increased. He did not let their herds diminish. Then their numbers decreased, and they were humbled by oppression, calamity, and sorrow. See, here we see the second reason in this passage why God allows some of these the war and the strife. The first reason was because of our wickedness, because of the wickedness of the people. And the second reason is to humble them. God sometimes uses very difficult circumstances to, to humble us, to produce humility in our lives. They were humbled by oppression, calamity, and sorrow. He who pours contempt on nobles and makes them wander and trackless waste. He lifted the needy out of their affliction, increased their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice, but all the wicked shut their mouths. Whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. You know, as, if you want to take this whole passage and condense it into, into one verse, I found a great verse that does that. And I encourage you to take Take a piece of paper out of your Bible, or whatever, and put it in here as a summary. At, at Second Chronicles 7.14. 2 Chronicles 7.14. Includes both the reasons for these calamities, but basically what we can do about it. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. There's some great promises there. God will forgive us. God will heal. And he will hear us. In spite of everything that, that uh, we live in, and that in spite of our wickedness, and in spite of our lack of humility. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. I encourage you to hang on to that one. That's a good one. Okay. Is God really in control? Is he really you know? Is he really accomplishing his purposes? Yes, he is. He is in the Philippines. It, literally gave me goosebumps listening to these young men and women preparing, and they are doing so in a Muslim area and preparing to go out and reach, uh, reach uh, the unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was amazing to be part and seeing what God is doing in Spain when seeing over a thousand people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, making the decision to walk forward. Okay. Uh, that, that's, that's just mind-blowing for those who live in that context. But we have, serve a huge God. Okay. Well, how do you, where do you see God working in Angola, a country devastated by 27 years of civil war, a, a country that has hospitals without a single doctor in them? My daughter Lizzie went along with us as a registered nurse and went out with a team to a, about three hours out from the city of Lubongo to Kalukembi, a hospital completely staffed by nurses, no doctors at all. And they schedule all their surgeries for the three days that the doctors from one hospital can go out there and, and, and help. And uh, they, they were going morning, noon and night and our daughter at one point uh, had to bag a patient for over an hour because the anesthesia wasn't, wasn't working just right keep, keep the patient alive they saved their one bottle of oxygen for the la- last day of surgery so if you were really sick and, uh, and needed, needed surgery then uh, you got oxygen on the last day, they saved you for the last day and you got oxygen, but they just don't have any But through it all, people are seeing believers in Jesus Christ serve them and seeing the love of God through medicine and making a difference. Uh, The church in Angola is working hard with nothing, really. But they bought this farm. They have 30 families that they are allowing to farm a piece of property uh, they, they say, you come help us on our farm for two days, and the other days you can farm your own piece of property and return for your work. Okay. So they're reaching out to the community using the, this farm. Uh, they are going into uh, making contact with with, with uh, uh, people. They They need lots of help, but they are showing God's love in a country that desperately needs it, in a country run by a socialist, police state, Corrupt dictator. The gospel is being preached, and God is accomplishing His his purposes. About two years ago, there's a a, a Bible school in Lubango, the city we're in in Angola. They had a conference on Islam. They had several conference speakers from international come in, and the government sent two observers to this conference to learn about Islam because there are half a million Muslims in Angola. And they were there, and they learned about Islam, about, you know, one of their goals is political submission. And uh, they went back and uh, reported to the president, and within a year, the government had revoked all, every permission for every Muslim mosque in the whole country. The president of Angola is not a believer at all but God can still accomplish his purposes through even uh, unbelievers because God is in control. So it's exciting to see what God is doing in spite of it. And uh, it would be good to do, as the last verse says, whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God desires the praise of the whole world. He desires our praise. And it is a great reminder from Psalms today that in spite of a world full of calamities, he is still in control. And still will accomplish his purposes. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Father, for what you are doing around the world. And Lord, uh, you've allowed calamities and sorrow and war and conflict and strife and dysfunction and sin into our world For your purposes. And we ask that your purposes would be accomplished, that you would use all of this to bring people to yourself, that we would be faithful in the context that you've placed us in to share your love with others, and that we ask that your name would be exalted and your name would be glorified in our lives and in those we reach out to, so that people from every tribe, tongue, and nation will one day worship you. And we give you all the honor and all the glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.